0: Hi, and welcome to episode 200 of the Untethered Podcast. It is your host, Hallie Balkin, and we are going to dive into a very brief episode today together on tethered oral tissues. Um, It's just me and you, so let's jump in and yay, happy 200 episodes to the Untethered Podcast. Let's do this thing. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions, of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Balkin. I'm a certified orofacial myologist, Feeding specialist and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up to date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, tethered oral tissue, and airway space. I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to get this information out to the masses. Let's get started. Hey, SLPs and OTs, if you're listening to this on January 30th, 2023, doors to feed the peds open today. And won't we'll be open for five days only. Doors close on February 3rd at midnight Eastern time. So go grab your seat, secure your seat now at FeedThePeds.com. and you will join us for a 4.05 Asha and Iota CEU course that's 40.5 hours. So whether you're a speech language pathologist or occupational therapist, dreaming of becoming a pediatric feeding therapist or expanding your skills, feed the Peace has all the in-depth training, assessment activities, and mentorship you need to grow your skill set. And patron roster to become a confident, competent pediatric feeding therapist. And ultimately, you'll be able to help the kids who need you most. So go to feedthepeds.com and join us inside. Cannot wait to see you there. Hey friends, it's your host, Hallie Balkin here, and I want to do a short and sweet episode today.
1: There's been a lot of discussion on social media and amongst the professionals about tongue tie and lip type and the research or the lack of research. And so I just want to lay it all out there and have a very informative, but short episode on what we need to be looking at, what we need to be doing, and the key things to remember when it comes to assessing, diagnosing, tethered oral tissue and making referrals, or if you're a parent, knowing what questions to ask, know who to, knowing who to trust, who to listen to, right? So hopefully arming you with this information is gonna help you figure out who to go seek or what next questions to ask, all right? So let's jump right on in because we only have a few minutes. So, I put up a post on Instagram last week that said something along the lines of, like, let 2020 be the year that large SLP accounts with like 80,000 plus followers and, you know, other medical providers providing information, all of that fun stuff. Like, people with large following, let it be the year that they put their ego aside, have healthy conversations with colleagues instead of blocking them and listen to patients and caregiver- caregivers over a lack of research. Okay. Because we need to put patients first. Um, I just wanted to put that out there. The next thing I want to highlight is that I want this to be the year that we remember the diagnosis, the definition of the diagnosis of a tongue tie um, or definition of a tongue tie, a lip tie, a cheek tie, right? There has to be a functional impact. It, there, it's not enough that the tissue presents as being quote unquote tight or short or restricted. Is that important? And should we monitor it if there are no symptoms present? Absolutely. But a tie is not a tie, whether it's cheek lip or tongue, unless there's functional impact. And what do I mean by functional impact? I mean, feeding is impacted, sleep is impacted. Um, maybe down the line, we see kids who've been in speech forever because they don't have full range of motion and can't actually hit certain sound targets. So it impacts their speech. Behavior, because their sleep is impacted, right? We start to see these, these snowballing issues, right? Airway issues, always getting sick, all these issues that tie back to what's going on inside the mouth. But we have to remember, and I'm sharing this, we have to remember the functional impact and what that means because I still see a lot of professionals, you know, and parents, and I I can't blame a parent, but a professional has taken courses and who admittedly says they know how to assess and diagnose a tongue tie, but then spreads misinformation. We need to make sure that we are imparting the correct information and empowering parents. And so I see a lot of parents saying things like, oh, well, my child was diagnosed with a tie, but we didn't do the relief. And my baby, you know, was totally fine with feeding and speech and, you know, uh, sleep and all the things, right? And they still are fine. Well, then it's not a tie. If there's no functional impact, there's no impact on their overall health. We're not seeing a systemic snowballing of issues and signs and symptoms that are, you know, impacting their optimal, their ability to function every day and their optimal health. Then it's not a tie. It's just a typical frenum or You know, friend, you love it. That's what you want to call it, right? Our friend, our friend, our tissues, those oral tissues exist. Everybody should have them. It comes down to how pliable are they? How stretchy are they? Do you have a whole range of motion? Is there any restriction? And then beyond that, what is the functional impact? That is the question we need to be asking. And if we cannot answer that, or we don't see a functional impact, or we don't have the education to know how to answer that, that's when we seek out an evaluation, right? And with an evaluation, we, and this is where I also said, like, let's let this be the year that speech language pathologists and occupational therapists and then PTs who may be trained in this as well, because we are the only providers who have, um, feeding and swallowing beyond like breastfeeding in our scope of practice and covered by our licensure. We are the only people who can actually do a functional feeding oral sensory oral motor feeding evaluation under the age of four. That is what is needed. Can we still do it after four? Absolutely. But after four, if you're starting to see airway issues and tongue-tight concerns, and maybe there's malocclusion, right? There's issues with the jaw or the the TMJ or airway, right? That may look more like an orofacial myofunctional evaluation, which for SLPs and OTs and PTs is kind of an extension of what we're already doing in our um, assessments if we're trained to look at airway and tethered oral tissues and you know the oral facial complex in the way that myofunctional therapists are um slp myo you know slp otpt myotherapists are so over the age of four you can go to a general myofunctional therapist if the child has the cognitive capabilities of at least a four-year-old some children need to be a little bit older because there is this active engagement in a myo eval and in myotherapy that requires the child to understand what they're asking them to do in order for us to, you know, or adults, um, in order for us to get the most accurate information. So that's really what I wanted to plug. There's one other thing I want to say today. I was recording an episode with a colleague and we were talking about, you know, she said to the pediatric dentist who does tetheral tissue releases. And she said to me, we really need to, you know, be not just encouraging, but requiring that children have pre-op and post-op therapy. And we need to, another, another colleague said to me this week, we need to condition the muscle groups, right? We need to condition the basically the oral structures and soft tissue before the release. So it's prepared. And then we need to get in there and we need to continue therapy after. And so anybody who is going for a release without proper oral motor intervention or myofunctional or patient myofunctional intervention, do, that's not a provider you should be seeing because that is, in my opinion, even if you get a good release, the function in most cases is not there. Will some children maybe gain the function afterwards? Maybe have we seen children improve drastically after release? We have, um, but most people need the surrounding support. And I truly, it's my professional opinion that a lot of these procedures are happening without a lot of the procedures that are happening without proper care surrounding them. And I'm not talking talking just body work. We need to be working in the mouth. We need to be teaching the tongue proper function. And we need to realize that when a tongue is released, right? It's now free, quote unquote, but it's not going to change how it functions if it's not trained. We need that neuromuscular re education. Or as my colleague Karen said, we need to condition the muscle group. Okay. Her episode will be coming out in a few weeks. Um, we need to condition, condition the muscle group. So, what does that look like? That is that pre op and post op therapy that we talk about. And one of the things I put on my posts of like, let this also be the year that more providers collaborate with the patient and also require the therapy surrounding tethered oral tissue releases because so many of the comments that I see over failed releases or issues that evolved after the release, when you ask and you have a conversation with these individuals, they tell you, oh, no one told me I needed pre up or They told me, but they didn't require it, so I didn't do it. Or, you know, we didn't have the money to do that. Well, in some cases, it can be actually detrimental to have a release and leave out the supports that you need to make that release successful, right? So that's what I kind of want to wrap this up on. Like I said, today, it's a very short and sweet episode because this is a very important message. The other thing I want parents and providers to be aware of is that we cannot just fall back on the lack of research or cite things that serve our purpose when it endangers the public. We are seeing that when patients have proper support with a skilled release provider and they have that pre-op and post-op therapy, which is what I mean by proper support, right? We do see the benefits. Sometimes they're more immediate. Sometimes they take longer, but that is part of the therapeutic process. There is this, this dance between, you know, what we do. I joke, it's like a dance between an art and a science. And we have to be critical thinkers as professionals. We have to put our critical thinking hat on we have to go hey what does this patient in front of us need today right who is this patient what do they need how can i help them what are their goals what are their next steps beyond just what i'm recommending um what does that parent desire for their child what does that adult patient need for themselves right and so with that as we start to wrap this up we need to realize that the research is lacking. There is there are some good research there's more coming out, but the research is also lacking. There's also a, a 17-year lag in research, and you can you can look this up. This is documented, it's across all areas of medicine. It's also true that all areas of medicine have certain areas that are lacking in research. It's also true in the Tung Kai space that individuals who have tried to publish research or do research have been blocked by boards, some boards that they sit on because you Boards of individual as a collective whole, you know, that individual may be side, do not agree. They don't believe that heather oral tissues are an issue, so they block the research from being done. The point of me sharing this is we need to keep these things in mind, okay? There is a lot of red tape behind the scenes. And at the end of the day, our patients come first. Our experience needs to be pulled into this. And when the research is there to discuss both sides of a the situation, then we can have a better balanced conversation around it. But we have a due diligence, we have an ethical responsibility, and we have a licensure to uphold that requires us to present all sides of the information and make sure that our patients have informed consent. And that also falls on individuals when posting on social media, which is why I always say we need to do a functional evaluation to determine next steps, determine if the sign needs to be released or not. The last thing I will say as I wrap this up is just because a patient. As a tie presents with a tie and as symptoms on a functional evaluation, it doesn't mean that they need a release, right? When you start feeding therapy or myofunctional therapy, we sometimes realize within two to three weeks that the tongue appeared to be tense, the tongue appeared to be tied, the lip appeared to be tied because of the surrounding tension that was mimicking a tie, right? Or maybe there's not enough space for the tongue to live in the palate and it's actually a tongue space issue, not a tongue tie issue. There are other things that individuals in this space are trained to assess for. So no, not everybody who walks in the door goes for a release and not everybody who gets diagnosed with a, a, a tethered oral tissue, at high, um, whether it be tongue, lip, buckle, not everybody ends up needing a release or getting released. Sometimes things look different even just two to three weeks or a month later. So please, next steps. If you're a parent, seek out a provider that, I, you know, as I've explained for a functional assessment um, based on your child's age, right? Under the age of four, you want an OT, SLP, or PT trained in pediatric feeding myo and tissues and your way ultimately, um, over the age of four, a patient myofunctional evaluation can be appropriate, um, versus, you know, having to see one of those specific providers, SLP, OT, PT, um, professionals. If you want to work with birth three, and you want information on TOTS and you know how TOTS and airway, mayo, and all that impacts the works with three population, and how you as an SLP or OT, you know, can work with these patients. Then, I'm joining the feed the beads. Go to feedthebeads.com. I'm going to plug that here real quick because we need more of you. We have over 1,500 of you that have gone through the course in the past couple of years, but we need more. And our patients are constantly, you know, not our patients, patients, parents are constantly asking for more providers. So join me in this mission, go to feedthebeef.com and join us this week because doors are open right now and they close on Friday. I cannot wait to see you all inside if you're joining us. If you're not, if you're a parent, if you're a provider who wants to learn more, just check out more episodes of the podcast. Join me at at Vulcan on Instagram. Um, there's tons of free information for you and I look forward to hanging out with you over there. All right, everybody, we'll chat soon.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Myo Tots Airway and Feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the Untethered Podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms Join us over on Facebook on my Facebook page at Hallie Balkan Biz, on Instagram at, at @HallieBalkan, and you can head over to theUntetheredPodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes, um, where you can also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes.